Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson podcast on justthenews.com, a digital news site dedicated to facts.spin and reporting on underreported stories and views that cut across the grain or are ignored by other media outlets. I hope you'll subscribe to all of our Just the News podcasts, John Solomon Reports, and The Pod's Honest Truth. I also hope you'll consider pre-ordering my new book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. Today, I'm going to talk about the devolution of the news as we once knew it and how that applies in the George Floyd case. Today is a bit of an inside baseball technical discussion about journalism, how it's changed, how it's been transformed by narratives that have interfered with us sticking with the basic tenets and ethics of journalism. But I think you'll find it interesting because if you're listening to this podcast, you already have a sense of this big change. And I thought that I would take you inside the mind of a journalist to talk about the way I was taught in journalism school versus the way many of us operate today. In a relatively short time span, when we're looking historically, the practice of journalism has entirely morphed, you know this, into something new and different. Opinion, narratives, advocacy, they're all mixed in with and passed off as if it's neutral reporting. This is a landscape that's foreign to some of us. A new breed of reporting seeks to convince you to believe whatever the reporter or the editors, the advertisers, or the funders want you to believe. This new breed of reporting is the kind that doesn't look for original stories or seek out independent facts or conduct their own research or open their minds to opposing views. This reporting spins the news according to what certain people want you to think. This reporting ignores facts that contradict a certain storyline. The people involved get their ideas maybe from other reporters, quasi-news media, PR firms, advocates, political operatives talking points pushed out by special interests. In other words, the sources for this kind of reporting are those in the business of pushing narratives, and they justify their one-sided position by citing propaganda-laden rhetoric such as, and I hear this more and more often, we don't report both sides when it comes to a certain issue because there aren't two sides to this issue. All of this makes it more difficult for truly independent-minded journalists to do their jobs. The good work, and it is still out there, it gets lost in a sea of clickable, predictable, biased, conflict-oriented reporting. Today, the good journalists too often find themselves reporting to managers that are more interested in supporting a particular viewpoint than getting at the facts. The propaganda efforts to narrow the realm of what we can discuss and report as journalists, these propaganda efforts have been so successful that We don't even follow the basic tenets of journalism anymore. We've been convinced that when a story emerges, or when we choose to make a story top news day after day, that the discussion must be framed a certain way. Now, maybe the discussion is about coronavirus, in which case no questions were to be asked about certain things. Media outlets that do want to operate in a journalistic way, they become fearful that they'll be controversialized, boycotted, attacked, defunded, demonetized, deplatformed, if they simply report factually and journalistically on matters such as considering all views and theories as to how COVID-19 originated. 
You can't do that. Or the discussion at issue may be about politics. As you know, since mid-2015, the dominant press narrative has been decidedly anti-Trump, so much so that if an independent reporter remains objective and takes no personal position on Trump, that reporter gets accused of being pro-Trump. Now, the same was not true, at least in my experience, with President Obama. Those of us who wrote stories at the time I worked at CBS News remaining neutral on Obama or did not report on him in particular, or those of us who wrote stories that sometimes included positive mentions about Obama, we were not routinely stalked and criticized by our peers or on social media for being pro-Obama. But if you mention Trump in any context other than an attack as a journalist now, some treat that as if it's a cardinal sin. And let me tell you, it can take a lot for a reporter to stand up to that kind of pressure and remain true to the facts. Or a discussion that's at issue may surround a corporate or government news release. In journalism college, I attended at the University of Florida many years ago. One of the early things I learned was it's perfectly fine to listen to ideas and stories and angles that are pitched by pundits and commentators and PR professionals, and they're doing that all the time. But if you determine that there may be something newsworthy in this information, in this press release and this stuff that's pitched to you, your job isn't over, it's just begun. They've told you what they would like the public to know and they've given their spin, but you as the journalist are supposed to figure out the facts. What is the rest of the story? What is the context? Is what they've told you true? Check it out. Is there, is there more that the public should be told? Now, depending on who's issuing the press release or anonymously leaking to the Washington Post or the New York Times, Today, we're supposed to take those words uncritically, unskeptically as gospel. In fact, questioning them makes you a conspiracy theorist or controversial. Used to just be called doing journalism. And the devolution of journalism, at least as I knew it, has even been cheered on by journalism institutions and personalities. In June 2017, I was really surprised to read an opinion piece by someone named Mitchell Stevens, in Politico, I believe it was. He's a journalism professor at New York University. And in his article, he unabashedly cheered on the end of media objectivity under a new president, of course, Trump at the time, that was getting attacked by the media. The headline, it said, quote, goodbye nonpartisan journalism and good riddance. Disinterested reporting is overrated. This is a journalism professor teaching apparently journalism students that Disinterested reporting is overrated. So today, journalists appoint themselves or get appointed by social media companies and others as fact checkers and curators staking claim to uh, their version of the truth. And they insist that they have some unique ability to divine ultimate truth, even when the truth is impossible to know because it's too early, the facts aren't out there, or they're changing, or when the truth is a matter of debate. But self-appointed fact-checkers include news and journalism organizations who themselves are actually conflicted or guilty of bias. Sometimes the fact-checkers include fake science groups that quash certain scientific information that could hurt their corporate masters, but the news just jumps on board and gets behind them. They'll tell you what to think. It cannot be left up to you. I've been worrying more and more that a young generation of Americans might never remember a time when the internet was a free, unfettered resource 
where information was available at everyone's fingertips without unwanted intervention from curators and the self-proclaimed fact-checkers. I'm worried that they will not know that the news, at least when we were at our best, was a place where different sides of stories were told, where reporters did not pretend to know answers to unanswerable questions, where news organizations did not restrict the parameters of who is supposed to be believed and what words and phrases can be used, and which facts and views get banned. I'm afraid that a young generation will have no recollection of journalists fairly questioning the powerful, no matter their political persuasion, that younger people may be unfamiliar with a time when reporters strive to keep their personal opinions sidelined from their news pieces. The idea of a news report that does not tell viewers exactly what they ought to think, I'm afraid that's going to become entirely foreign. When we come back, I'll have a surprising look at an example of how this has come into play in a specific case, the death of George Floyd. We're back. I heard a national network news anchor recently refer to the death of George Floyd as a murder. And I cringed when I heard that, not because I think that his sad death is not or is a murder, not because I'm commenting on how I feel about the case or how I feel about police brutality or how I feel about attacks on police, but because this comment that it was a murder shows Basic journalism training among those practicing journalism is sorely lacking. However we as reporters feel about something, I learned in journalism college back at the University of Florida, that when we are reporting a straight news report, we are to stick to the facts and rational analysis. Even when the horror of a crime seems obvious based on a video, we are supposed to be something like the justice system is supposed to be. In the case of an alleged crime, I think we're supposed to be a neutral party giving a fair look at the facts without us drawing conclusions ahead of a formal process. We can quote other people. We can show other people giving various viewpoints, but we're not supposed to draw those conclusions personally ourselves. Floyd's death has not been determined to be a murder yet. And this is one of the first lessons taught in journalism law class. Reporters cannot claim a conclusion ahead of a legal determination for two big reasons. First, Of course, as obvious as a case may seem, history tells us we frequently don't have the whole picture and can be wrong. For the sake of accuracy, we stick with the facts as we know them. And second, for our own self-interest, we can get sued for libel and slander if, for example, we say somebody murdered somebody else prior to a trial or a guilty plea and then the person is not found guilty of murder and, hey, that happens, well, we could get sued for damaging their reputation. But all of that has flown out the window with the effort to define how and what is acceptable for us to report. We don't even follow our own journalistic guidelines anymore. A lot of people don't know it, but a homicide doesn't necessarily mean murder. Homicide refers to a death being caused by another person. And that could be accidental, it could be negligent, or it could be purposeful. Murder is when the attack or the attacker intended to kill the other person, but not, for example, in an accidental DUI. Some homicides are considered under the law excusable or justifiable. Some are first-degree murder. Others are lesser forms of murder that don't include, you know, the allegations that it was premeditated or planned. 
So for us as journalists to declare that Officer Chauvin, in the case of George Floyd, committed a murder at this stage is simply unjournalistic and not supported by the facts. It's called, at least I was taught, convicting someone before they're convicted. You just don't do it, no matter how much you may personally want to, no matter how obvious you think the case may be. Even when serial killer Ted Bundy was arrested, journalists were obligated to refer to him as a suspect or refer to the allegations against him. Yes, sure, he seemed guilty and ultimately he was found guilty. But until that determination is made in court, it is not our role as journalists to pretend to know all of the facts and evidence and make a legal determination. I even remember being taught in journalism school that even if police say someone confessed to a crime, we're not supposed to report on the news that somebody confessed to a crime. We report that police say a suspect confessed. Why? Well, sometimes what police consider a confession turns out to be not a confession, or at least is in dispute. Sometimes the suspect claims that the supposed confession was coerced. We, the reporters, were not present, and even if we hear a recording of a supposed confession, it's not our job to make that legal determination. We have to attribute that claim to whoever told us the suspect confessed. So it's perfectly fine to say, police say the suspect confessed to so-and-so. It's not okay to say ourselves, the suspect confessed. Now, this may all sound really technical and unimportant, and I find myself explaining this to friends and family and acquaintances when they ask questions about journalism. In my view, though, this is very important. This is pure journalism. It's how we protect ourselves and our reputations and the public confidence. It's how we protect the facts. It's how we protect the truth. It's how we protect the rights of those we may not personally like, but the rights of them to be accurately reported on. So in the case of George Floyd, if I'm saying that we as journalists cannot journalistically say at this point that he was murdered, what can we say? What should we be saying? Well, for example, we can say that Floyd died during or after a struggle with police. We can say that an officer knelt on his neck for nearly nine minutes and he died. All of that is accurate and true. Where we ought to journalistically stick with when it comes to descriptions until there is more information and a legal determination. Why is all of this important, you may ask? You might be saying, well, everybody knows what happened to Floyd was wrong. The officer's guilty. Well, most infamous cases of alleged police brutality and murders have not turned out that way in court in the end. And when our reporting veers from journalistic standards, it risks becoming inflammatory rather than factually recounting events. It undermines our credibility. True, there's plenty of abuse by police. There are many attacks on police. All of that happens. But when our initial reporting later proves to be so off the mark at times, we're eroding our own reputation as fact reporters. I mean, just look at the case of Ferguson and Michael Brown. Remember, the media so widely took off on the narrative of hands up, don't shoot, rather than sticking to the known facts at the time and reporting both sides of what was alleged to have happened, that it set off an entire movement before the Obama Justice Department actually found that Michael Brown had never raised his hands and that the police officer had fired his gun properly in self-defense, his life now destroyed over media coverage of something that it turns out 
never happened. But let's say it had turned out to be true. And let's say that a jury ultimately concludes Officer Chauvin murdered Floyd. It is still our journalistic responsibility at this stage to be rational, reasoned voices of fact. That's what I learned in journalism school. It's not our job to jump on a bandwagon even if we personally feel strongly about something or think that it's right. It's not our job to advocate and report in a one-sided way. You at home can form those conclusions and express them. There's nothing wrong with it. Politicians can give their opinions. Advocates can speak out. Nothing wrong with any of that. And we can report on those viewpoints on the news. But clearly, we as reporters have strayed from our mission to be reporters of fact in our news pieces. And we are contributing to the crisis of confidence in our own profession. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please let me know if this line of discussion about journalism and ethics and the decline of the news is interesting to you. Leave a review here, share this with your friends, and check out justthenews.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Cheryl Ackeson podcast and check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours, and all of the Just the News podcasts wherever you like to listen. If you like my podcast, I'd like to ask that you consider pre-ordering right now my new book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism, another super important topic. Support independent journalism and pre-order Slanted anywhere. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. 